Welcome. Thanks for joining us today on The Venture Podcast. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you along your journey. Well, this certainly is a special time of year for us, special celebration. And, and I don't know about you, but uh, even during the whole Christmas season, just Christmas itself brings all different kinds of emotions. In fact, if we were to survey across this room, I think we would have all different kinds of feelings, emotions. For some in the room, it is absolutely, bar none, your favorite time of year. You are off the charts excited. Maybe some of the kids in this room, you're in that sense of anticipation. You're just like, it can't get here quick enough. For some in the room, you're this close to the point of exhaustion. And you know, as the parent of seven kids, I've been there. There, there's many a Christmas and especially many a Christmas Eve where you thought, you think, do I actually have enough energy to get through this? You know, it, it's interesting, our response to it. And I, I don't know if it's because it's so ramped up that much more, but, but you find all different ways that people respond, even to Christmas music. I saw the Mayo Clinic did a study recently where they said Christmas music actually helps us. It actually calms us at times. It helps with memory. It helps lower blood pressure. And yet I saw a totally different study. It was done in England. It says this Christmas music played all the time. It's actually stressing us out. Because every time you go into a store, it's playing and it reminds you what you need to get done. And I think they're probably both true. Depending on where you're coming from. You know, as a pastor during this season, it's one of the greatest times to celebrate it's also interesting because I talked to a number of people that struggle specifically during this time with a sense of loneliness. It's strange, and this doesn't mean that you're just alone. It just You can be in a room or house full of people and still feel lonely. You can be a church full of people and have a sense of loneliness. And I, I was thinking in my own life, one of the, the lonelier days of my life was actually my 21st birthday. A day that probably should be a good day of celebration. But I, I was in a season of transition in my life. I'd spent a couple of years bouncing around a little bit. It, it was my fault I was in this state. Uh, I, I had just had a breakup with my girlfriend, Alcohol. And we were real close. In fact, all my buddies were drinking buddies, and, and I realized it, it was not a good thing in my life. I was on, on a path to alcoholism, like members of my family. And I bounced between a couple of schools, so I'd moved back home. I finally was right with God again. I finally got serious with it, but because of that, I really didn't have a lot of friends in this season. I wasn't connected at my church. My fault. I just started a new school. And on my 21st birthday, I'd moved back home, my siblings were gone, and my mom and my stepfather were both in a really deep depression and couldn't get out of bed. And my mom had the flu on top of it. And so I woke up on my 21st birthday, and nobody knew it was my birthday. And I went to school, and I was new at the school. Nobody there knew it was my birthday. Came home, no birthday. Now again, birthdays weren't huge in my house, so it wasn't devastating, but it was this strange feeling like, what is going on with my life that it's my 21st birthday and nobody knows and seems to care? I had a friend call, guy I'd met at school, Ben. He said, hey, I'm going to a party tonight. You want to go? I said, yes, anything to get out of the house. 
And he came and picked me up and we're headed to the party. I said, so, so what's this party? And he said, oh, we're going to a surprise birthday party. <laughs> really? You know, for just a second, you kind of have that thought of like, did they know? And then I realized, I don't know these people. And he said, yeah, this girl's called Beth. We're going to go to a surprise party for her. And, and I remember thinking, well, this will be fun. This is just great. And, and we went into the party and, and you're there and, you know, they're celebrating and everything. And it's that weird thing because the whole time they're celebrating, you kind of want to tell someone, but you really can't at this point. You know, you can't glom on somebody else's birthday. You, you can't do the, hey, surprise, Beth. And hey, surprise, it's my birthday too. Well, move over, Beth. We'll blow out the candles together. I mean, I knew if I did that, you, you're going to get that look of, Oh, you sad little man. (laughs) And so I didn't tell anybody. And and that weird sensation of celebration, and at the core of it, I really felt lonely more than anything else. Now, why am I telling you this story? Well, I've got a birthday coming up. No. (laughs) It is funny. I've told this story before, and almost invariably, I'll have some sweet Older woman will grab me and say, when is your birthday? When is your birthday? They're determined that we're going to celebrate. You know, guys, guys' response basically is like, boo-hoo, suck it up, buttercup, which would be my response if I heard this story too. The reason I I tell this story that here I am 32 years later, and you still remember that feeling. And it kind of was a turning point in my life because I realized I can't keep living like this. I don't want to live like this. Because I'm really not connected. And I feel pretty alone. And I think more of you maybe than you like to admit, even though we're here in the middle of a Christmas celebration, at a core level, you feel pretty alone. In in fact, loneliness is spiking in our culture. I was reading the, the last Surgeon General under President Obama it was Vice Admiral Vivek Murthy. And he described during his time, he said, you know, as I look across the United States, he says there's an epidemic of loneliness striking our country. He said the greatest pathology we have to battle is not heart disease, it's not diabetes, it's loneliness. He said, I saw it in my time and I saw it in my practice. I saw it in people who would come to the clinic complaining about something. Really, the only reason they came is they wanted to talk to somebody. He said, a look across our country, and and listen to how he describes it in his words. He said, it's greater risk than cardiovascular disease. It leads to dementia, depression, anxiety. It reduces task performance at work. It limits creativity. It's just getting worse every day. And and it's even more alarming when you look at millennials, those that are 23 to 38. Because what used to be, it used to be older generations struggle with loneliness, but young people didn't. That's actually flipped. In fact, one of the greatest groups is 23 to 38 year olds. A third of which who say, I am lonely every day. And, and, and there's something about this connection we have digitally with each other and this technology, tools that I love, but instead of drawing us together, they seem to be pulling us apart. You know, David Brooks, 
went and toured college campuses. He just wanted to hear from college students. What's the greatest thing you face today? You know what came up over and over again? Loneliness. And they, they literally said, we don't know how to connect with real people. One of them said, how do you have relationships anymore? You know, in a world that's getting harder, we need each other more. Guys, something's got to give. We, we, we need real people in our life. The, the problem is the closer we get, the more we push each other apart. You know, the philosopher Schopenhauer, he, he described in this way, it's a great analogy. He said, we're like a bunch of porcupines huddling together on a cold winter's night. The colder it gets outside, the more we huddle together for warmth. But the closer we get to one another, the more we stick one another with our quills and we hurt one another. In the lonely night of Earth's winter, eventually we begin to drift apart and we wander out on our own and freeze in the cold by ourselves. It's a pretty graphic picture, isn't it? You know, as I, I look at this need in our world today, I, I take great solace when I look at the first Christmas again. In fact, I, I love so much the way that God came and especially the couple that he came to. You know, in that first Christmas story, Mary and Joseph, we love the sentiment. And if you've got the nativity scene, I love Mary and Joseph. And then there's the shepherds and the wise men. And it's all there. And it's such a beautiful story. And it's a beautiful scene, unless you were that couple. And if you look at their life, you want to talk about a couple who experienced life alone? It was Mary and Joseph. When this poor teenage girl who's engaged to get married, God picks out of everybody and says, I want you to have my son. And when God comes to the planet, he can't come a normal way. If God's going to be born as a baby, he says, I've got to come in a miraculous way. And so it's going to be a virgin birth. And, and no one had ever heard of a virgin birth before. They didn't believe in it then any more than we believe in it now a lot of times. But if God's going to show up, he's going to do it uniquely. And, and so he tells this girl, he says, you're going to have a baby. She tells her husband to be Joseph. And at first he doesn't believe her. But then God tells him, no, Joseph, this is me. I'm doing this in Mary's life. I'm doing this in your life. And so this young couple in a little town of Nazareth start out life together, married. He's not sleeping with her because he vowed to protect her. They're in this little town and they're that couple in the town because everybody talks about them. And on top of that, right before she's about to give birth, the ruler of the whole world, Caesar, Augustus, declares that everybody's going to go back to their hometown to be counted for a census. And so they're not even at home. You want to talk about being alone, be a young couple with a pregnant wife on the road headed from Nazareth all the way down to Bethlehem. Read in Luke 2. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger. And look at this last line, because there was no room for them in the end. Here you are, this young couple, you're that couple, the one that everybody talked about. You got to leave your town. You have to take your pregnant wife 90 miles. Now, I know in all of our stories, there's a donkey there. There's no donkey in the text. Maybe they had one, I don't know. All I know is 
they had to go 90 miles to Bethlehem. You roll into Bethlehem and there's no place to stay. That line, there was no room for them in the inn. If you're at the point where you're having to go to the inn, it wasn't guys like the Holiday Inn Express. It wasn't like you walk in and go, oh, no vacancy? Oh, I'll go down the road to the next hotel. In fact, it's a very small town and it's a very relational culture. Most people, when you came into town, you would just stay with family. You'd stay with somebody you knew. Now here's the telling part. Remember why Joseph had to go to Bethlehem? Because he was of the line of David. You think he was the only member of his family in Bethlehem? All of his cousins. All the people that were of that line. They'd have to be there too. But when this couple rolled into town, nobody opened the door. Nobody said, hey, you stay with us. Nobody looked at them and go, man, she's about to have a baby. Hey, we'll make room. Be in our house. Remember, they're that couple. The one everybody pulled back from. And here's this father in desperation where he finally asked the innkeeper, can we just stay where you keep the animals? And you feel the loneliness of that moment. When a a whole town full of connections says, we don't want you here. And and you have to just go find a stable or cave or something where they feed animals so that you can take your wife and your baby can be born. In the middle of the night, Jesus is born. And maybe there was a midwife, maybe somebody helped them, but they're not in the story. All we see are two people alone, a young couple. It was hard. Guys, why are they in this predicament? Because they did something wrong? No. Actually, it's because they did something right. It's because God asked them to do something hard. And they said, we'll do it. You sign us up. God says, my son needs a mom and a dad, and I've chosen you two. And, and this was the first of many hard days for these two. But hear me. As hard as it was, you know what changed that night for Mary and Joseph and everybody after? From that night on, they would never be alone. They would never be apart from God. Because God came as a baby, not just as a baby, to be a savior. So that he could restore relationship with them and God, and with us and God. And one of the things I love about the story, God said, man, this is a big deal. And so maybe everybody else in the town isn't celebrating. I'm gonna find somebody to celebrate. And so what did he do? He he found some shepherds. The shepherds who were out in the field watching their flock. If you read in the story, we continue on in Luke chapter two. And the angel came to the shepherds and said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. These shepherds are out in the field. and, And in the middle of the night, an angel shows up. And the angel cries out, Don't be afraid. He says, you guys have an invitation for unto, notice what he says, to you a child is born. Unto you a savior's been given. Not just to Mary and Joseph, you guys too. 
And I love that God invited shepherds. Now we love shepherds and kids dress up in it and we think it's great. If you lived in Bethlehem, the last person you'd invite would be a shepherd. They're about as low on the social scale as you get. And part of it, I think God's looking around and he goes, you know what? There is no one else in the town that wants anything to do with these. I'm gonna invite some people that would get really excited about it. And so he says to the shepherds, hey, go. And then the angels declare, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth. Look at their response. I love how the shepherds respond to the angels with it. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that happened, which the Lord has made known to us. God told us out of everybody. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the sayings that had been told them concerning this child. They went in in a ruckus. They went in loud. They went in excited. And they're telling Mary and Joseph, you're not going to believe what happened. We saw angels. And Mary and Joseph said, yeah, been there, done that. We've seen them too. This isn't a normal baby. They told us he's the savior. They told us that, that he's the one. He's the Christ. He's the Lord. And, and can you imagine, just for a moment, the encouragement of Mary and Joseph in that moment? Out of all this where you're alone and you're doing this hard thing, and at some point you got to ask yourself, man, are we losing our minds? Are we doing the right thing? And then a bunch of guys show up and they couldn't be more excited. And they confirm, yes, this is from God. We heard from God too. In fact, it wasn't just Mary and Joseph. They're so noisy, town people hear it. Read the next passage with it. And all who heard it wondered what the shepherd told them. They're all going, man, what are they talking about? But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. She needed to hear it. She needed that. And the shepherds returned glorifying God and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. They go in and they cause a scene. They cause a scene in the town. And when they're leaving, they cause a scene back out in the fields. Because these guys got invited to the greatest birth in human history. They don't get invited to anything. In fact, you'll see that a lot in scripture. God loves inviting people that nobody else likes to invite. God loves bringing people in who will actually be excited about what he's doing. And these shepherds come and they rally and they celebrate around Jesus. Now, in the story, we know there's one other group that he brought too, don't we? They actually didn't come that night. It was a little bit later. But of all the other people God invited, who did he invite? He invited people from another country, from Persia, people from another religion. They weren't even following in the same way, but they're studying the stars and suddenly they see an announcement and God puts a star in the sky and they begin a journey of months of chasing the star because they know it celebrates a king. And have a little bypass in Jerusalem, but notice when they finally found him and behold the star that they had seen when it rose and went before them until it came rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And opening their treasures, they offered him gifts and gold and frankincense and myrrh. I, I, I love the simplicity of the story. 
And, and I love the beauty of that moment in both cases. That you've got a couple, Mary and Joseph, and God says, hey, I want you to do something hard. Will you do it no matter what it costs? Because it's so important to the world. I'm sending the Savior of the world. And they said, we'll do it. When God shows up with an angel and he says, hey, you guys, you shepherds, man, you gotta go see this. And they respond. When God puts a star in the sky, because he said, hey, this Savior who's come, he's not just for Mary and Joseph. He's not even just for Israelites. He's for all people. And so, you know what? Right out of the gate, I'm going to invite some guys from another country so that they can get in on it and be a part of it too. See, because Jesus came. Because Jesus came, guys. He's opened this door as Savior that I can be actually connected with God. I can have a relationship with him. But notice what he's doing in that story as well. We can be connected with each other as well. It's when God draws us together around Jesus, man, the relationship that's formed there. Guys, I say this because what was true of that first Christmas, what was needed that first Christmas is desperately needed this Christmas. We live in a world, and I don't know about you, but I get weary with it, of how much people are, are striking each other, how much people are verbally attacking each other, how much people, you just feel it out there. You feel the porcupines, and people have their quills out all the time. And I think in part of it, we step back and we disconnect. We, we, we feel it at an internal level. You know, the one good thing about that loneliness that you feel, part of it is it's a warning light from God that life wasn't supposed to be this way. And that's why Jesus came. In fact, the greatest loneliness I think any of us feels is that part of your heart and soul that if you're not connected to God, if you don't have a relationship with him, nothing else can fill that. The, the philosopher Pascal said it this way. He said, there's a God-shaped vacuum in all of us. There, there's this hole in the bottom of all our souls that only God can fill. And if he's not filled that in your life, you know what? You're never gonna experience with other people. You're never gonna feel it right in of yourself. But because God so loved the world, he sent his son and he didn't just send him as a baby in a manger. Notice what he declared that night even. He sent him as a savior on the cross. That Jesus Christ would die. And you know when he died? He was all alone. And all the junk of the world and all the sin of the world and all the stuff that we carry around and all the ways we hurt each other, that was placed on him so that we never have to be. But here's the reality, guys. There's a reason the only people in our nativity sets are Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men. They're the only ones who responded. They're the only ones who actually did something about it. And I would encourage you Things are not gonna get better in our world and they won't get better in our life unless we make a decision.
In fact, I'd encourage you, some of you here, you know, they got angels and they got stars. Unfortunately, the only messenger you have is me. I'm no angel, I promise you that. But I'm gonna tell you, my message is just as true. And it's a message for you that Jesus is your savior too. And he came so that you could have a relationship with God. But guys, you can hear about it, you can know about it, you can sing about it, but unless you do like Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men, you actually take action on it and the decision, you're gonna stay disconnected. That's why I wanna invite you, just invite you to have the opportunity to take a next step. Adventure, we talk a lot about taking a next step. I think everybody's on a journey with God. And some, maybe it's the very beginning of the journey. Maybe for you, when I talk about a relationship with God, you go, <laughs> I don't even know if I believe in God. Here's all I would ask on your next step. Would you be open to a relationship with him? Would you be open enough to treat him like he's real enough to just say to him, all right, God, if you're real, show me. If you're real, I, I'm, I'm gonna at least discover if this is real. It takes some movement in your heart to go, yeah, I'm open to that. For, for some of you, you're beyond that. He's been showing you for a while. And you actually need to take a step into his family. You need to stop doing life alone. You need to stop recognizing Jesus as a savior from afar and make him savior of your life and actually invite him in and invite a real relationship with him. Guys, it changes everything from a soul level. It changes how you relate to you, changes how you relate to God. And I promise this, it changes how you relate to other people too. That's why he came. For some of you, you need to renew a relationship. Maybe you've been far from God for a long time. And you know, I, the more I've been studying this on loneliness and that, I'm gonna start championing. I think we need church more than we talk about. You need to be around other people that are worshiping Jesus too. Because if you don't have that, you're not gonna have the, the, the connection with people who are pursuing God together. So as we close out our service, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to respond to God. Why don't you take a moment, just bow where you are. And just in the quietness of your heart, I'm not gonna ask any action of you. I'm not gonna require anything of you. I, I just think it's good to get quiet before God sometimes and to get real. And maybe in your heart right now, you just need to tell God, if you're real early in this journey, just tell God, okay, God, I'm open to having a relationship with you. Show me what that looks like. Just literally tell him that. Tell him those words. Because I, I believe in a God who moves and acts, and he'll start showing you who he is. For some of you here, you need to go beyond just beginning a relationship but actually receiving what he's giving 
that right now you need to tell him, Jesus, I need a savior. I need forgiveness. I want to invite you into my life and be connected to God as my father. Tell him that. And finally, for some of you, you need to just take a moment. Maybe you've been far from God for a long time. You know him, but you've been far. Make a commitment to him now. Make a commitment. God, I want to come home. I'm tired of doing life out in the cold. I need you. And I need others in my life as well. Lord, I pray for all who are on this journey. I don't know where they are, but you do. Lord, I pray for those that uh, maybe even right now they doubt you or they're not sure you're real. I, I just pray, would you show yourself to them? Would you reveal yourself in a way that is undeniable? Lord, for those who are taking a first step of faith, give them courage. If you're the God who sent your son, you're the God who forgives. And Lord, for those who maybe they've been far from you for a long time and far from others, and if they're honest, they've been protecting a part of their heart that they don't let anybody in. Would you help them to lower their walls, to recognize why you came? Lord, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that you're my savior. I thank you that uh, you saved me from myself. I thank you that you give me relationships here in this church, people I need. I need these people in my life. Lord, I, I pray in a culture that's struggling with loneliness, would you show us how to connect in a real way? And we pray these things in Christ's name. We hope today's message encouraged you in your journey of faith. To keep up with the latest messages and what's happening, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit venture.cc.